So, morning, everybody. Uh, again, lovely to see you. Welcome again to our lounge in uh, in Presbury Road. Happy to see you. Happy Happy Sabbath. Happy Sunday. Uh, I'm pretty excited about this new uh, sermon series, talk series that we're going to be in for the next five weeks. O on one of my daily walks, uh, many daily walks in the past few weeks, I found myself uh, one day in a part of town that I hadn't actually been to for a while, up near the college where we used to live. I was a schoolmaster up there, some of you know that. Uh, and it was really good to visit us again. Hadn't been there for a while. It stirred some really good memories, uh, some things that I'd forgotten about as well. Um, and I found some new places that I hadn't seen before. And it occurred to me that, I, if I'm honest, I feel a bit like that as we embark together on this journey in the Old Testament book of Ruth. Um, I will admit I've not visited it for a while, at least not sort of properly, as it were. And it's been really good to reconnect with uh, these these beautiful chapters in the Bible, this amazing little story. And I'm really confident, so I'm excited, that through this ancient uh, personal story that some of you will know well, others maybe uh, less well, God is going to remind us powerfully of some things that maybe once we knew but need kind of refreshing in us draw our attention to them in a fresh way as well as to show us some new things that he wants to encourage us with and and be in no doubt i feel this so strongly this morning friends god really really wants to encourage us all, all the time always and today and this morning and right now so let's really take heart he wants to encourage us, he wants to put strength into us, he wants to renew us, he wants to, to build us up in, in further faith and in hope uh, and in love. And all of that in uh, the current context of living in these unfamiliar times. Uh, we may have got used to lockdown living to some extent. This whole season, though, is clearly a strange one, clearly an unfamiliar one, not just for us, but actually for, for the whole world. So I'm going to say, let's be really expectant that God is going to speak to each of us um, powerfully in these times. He's going to stir in us as we explore faith in unfamiliar times. That's the series title that we're giving it, Faith in Unfamiliar Times. But today, uh, without apology, we thought it was right, actually, just to introduce ourselves or reintroduce ourselves to the whole book of Ruth. And, and I'm sorry if you wrote your your um, your theology PhD on the book of, uh, of Ruth and you know it back to front. Um, this may be a familiar territory, but for many of us, we're just going to hear an introduction this morning. Um, and then I'm just going to point us to some of the themes that we can expect to emerge in, in, the, in the weeks ahead. So what we're going to do to start with, I'm going to stop talking and uh, we're going to enjoy for the next seven minutes and 11 seconds um, an introduction, an overview to the book of Ruth from uh, the very clever people at the Bible Project. So let's enjoy this. Thanks, James. You play that. I appreciate there's quite a lot going on there, quite a, a, a dense kind of summary, but I hope you find that helpful. I think these Bible projects, um, uh, little episode summaries are, are really useful. Uh, I also hope it, it's it's kind of whet your appetite. I just want to explore, just to draw attention to, to a couple of things then as we move on. First, uh, hunger. Are, are we hungry? Are we hungry to, to, um, to learn and to grow and to connect more deeply with this God, uh, to quote what, we, what we've just heard, who is at work in the ordinary, mundane, details of your lives. I don't know about you, but I, I, I so yearn for that more and more and more. The day-to-day -day hardships and joys, working out his loving, his, his redemptive purposes, powerful purposes out in partnership with, with ordinary people like you and me. So practical, this book. Is anybody else hungry then to sit at the Father's feet? 
um, and receive wisdom and courage and divine strategies for handling some of the realities that we face here in our own lives and, um, and in those around us. Things like loss and tragedy and grief and moving home and suffering and waiting and new birth and economic hardship and migration and ethnic diversity and changing circumstances and unfamiliar territory. It's all here in this short book. Are you hungry for some help and some encouragement in, in, in kind of growing these godly qualities that we've just heard reference? Loyalty, sacrifice, integrity, kindness, generosity, boldness, joy. I would detect a hunger among us and a growing hunger and let's pray that it would. And it's all here. So friends, this is a story for people who wonder about things. It's a story for people who wonder where God is when there are no particular dreams and no particular visions and no particular prophecies, it seems, and no particular even clear direction from heaven. It's a story for people who wonder where God is when tragedy hits and maybe not even just one tragedy or one disappointment, but again and again, or, or just in the business of waiting and all of that um, attacking or, or sapping your confidence in God's goodness. It's a story for us who are in that place. It's a story for people who wonder whether uh, it's even worth trying to lead a life of faith and integrity in tough times, which can be so draining. It's a story for people who can't actually imagine that anything good or anything great could ever come from their little ordinary lives of faith and a whole bunch more things. So I just want to explore uh, by way of scene setting again a little bit just from the first five verses of Ruth. If you've got your Bibles, you might want to open them uh, at the book of Ruth. If not, um, clearly read it later. But I'm just going to refer to the first five uh, verses. And it begins in the time of the judges, in the time that the judges ruled. And um, just by way of reminder, about 400 year period in history, 1500 BC, roughly something like that, after Joshua has led the people of Israel into the promised land and before there are any kings. And the book of Judges, you'll remember, comes just before the book of Ruth in the Bible. Um, and there is this refrain that runs through the whole of this period that's described. So the very last uh, verse in the book of Judges, chapter 21, verse 25, says this, literally the verse before Ruth begins. In those days, there was no king in Israel and every man and woman did what was right in their own eyes. Really important that we understand the background here. They did what was right in their own eyes. It's a kind of one sentence summary, isn't it? It seems to me of why there is such mess, why there is such ugliness in the world and in our human heart, whether it is racism or greed or jealousy or laziness or, or violence or resentment or, or whatever it is, whatever ugliness. Uh, I think it was the Times newspaper famously about 100 years ago asked this question, what is wrong with the world? And the uh, Christian author, G.K. Chesterton, um, you've heard of him, he replied, dear sir, I am yours sincerely, G.K. Chesterton. The heart of the human problem is summarised there. It's the problem of the human heart. It's that horrible little word called, uh, called, word called sin with, with the eye in the middle. <clears throat> and it's just a reminder by way of background, responsibility always starts with us. It starts with me, it starts with you, it starts with each individual, our own attitudes, our own actions, our own reactions, and just a recognition that every human heart, yours, mine, needs a rescuer. No amount of, of self-help is going to sort out that mess. So this is a dark time in Israel. We need to get that background. The people would sin. Um, enemies would attack them. 
the people would cry out for help, God would be merciful, he'd bring along a judge or somebody to deliver them, but, uh, but the cycle would repeat. Again, they'd rebel, they'd get stuck in this kind of pattern. And from all outward appearances, God's purposes for his nation looked as if they were failing. His purpose is that this will be his chosen people, that they'd be the, the forerunner community that lived in trusting relationship with him and to, to begin to show what the rest of the world, what he was like. It looked like those purposes were failing. But here we get to Ruth. What the book of Ruth does is it gives us this brilliant glimpse of the, the, the work of God, the beautiful, often hidden, redemptive work of God, even during uh, bad times. Look at the last verse of Ruth. It was referred to uh, chapter four, verse 22, the very last book of Ruth. We've referred to the last book of Judges, the last book of uh, the last verse of Ruth. The child born to Ruth and Boaz during this period is Obed. Obed becomes the father of Jesse. Jesse becomes the father of David, who delivers Israel and leads her to, to, uh, to, to the greatest heights of glory. And from whom down the line then comes uh, Jesus, the Messiah, the one who delivers all of mankind leads all of those who receive him as their as their lord into eternal life at, at this side of the grave and then beyond here's the message god is at work friends hear it hear it again today this morning god wants to say this this morning there's so much else to unpack but god is at work if you only look at the the, the reverse side the back side as it were of a tapestry what you see, isn't it, is that mess of threads and, and, and loose ends and so on. But you turn it round and you see those threads being woven into something that has beauty and that has order. God is at work in the mess, in the worst of times, in the best of times, in familiar times and in unfamiliar times. At, um, if you like, a global level, national level, as well as a family level and a personal level in your life and mine. And so even when we think that he's, he, he's furthest from us he, uh, or that he's, he's left us or abandoned us or turned against us, that's maybe some people are in that place right now. The truth is that he is still loving. He's still present. He's still powerful to weave all things together for good as we trust him because his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are so much bigger and, and higher than our thoughts. Praise God that that is so. But for sure, for Naomi, coming back to those first five verses, it didn't feel like it. It often doesn't feel like it. And there's this horrible kind of descending uh, picture of descending steps, if you like, for her in, in these dark times that she's already living in. There comes famine. That comes into the equation. Verse one, there's no food. And by the way, thanks again for uh, all the, um, uh, the giving to the food appeal in Macedonia. Andrew referred to it earlier. If I had time, by the way, and we'll put it up on the website, I'd show you a brilliant film of uh, even in the midst of this difficulty, the, the evangelist Jimmy and his team handing out food parcels in a little village in Macedonia, but preaching the gospel. And I heard just yesterday uh, that in that village, 40 people began a journey with Jesus for the first time. Great things, good things coming out of hard times. So, so here's Naomi then, her husband, um, her two sons face famine. They make this decision to travel to Moab where they're immigrants in a pagan land, foreign gods. Ours not to judge, but are they playing with fire here? God has called his people to stay separate from uh, the surrounding lands, and yet they, they travel into Moab. So when the next tragedy strikes and Naomi's husband, uh, he's Elimelech, he dies in verse three, she feels it as judgment. She says, God has turned against me. His judgment has, has followed her. And now he's added grief, the grief of losing um, her husband on top of the famine, on top of the alienation in this, in this uh, unfamiliar culture. 
So a question that's going to get raised, is this the work of God? Has he caused this suffering only in order to, to, to bring good from it later on? That's a question I'm not going to ask, answer right now, but it'll be one of the themes that we may want to be picking up. There's the next step down this, this horrible descent, this horrible ladder for her. Her two sons marry outside the tribe, as it were, and they take Moabite wives, um, Orpah and, and Ruth. And, and for the next 10 years, next rung down the ladder, neither of these marriages produces children. Remember, in a culture where um, it, your very survival kind of depends on, on raising the next generation. And then to reach the lowest rung of all, the desperate double blow, verse five, all of this in the opening five verses. Both her sons, Marlon, Killian, they die as well. So sadness upon sadness and tragedy upon tragedy and disappointment upon disappointment, a whole bunch of things. Because that's the starting point for um for this book for this little very personal story it's one of one of suffering it's one of pain it's one of brokenness both at a general level but also this very personal level and especially for for naomi and uh, we, we don't need to look far do we friends to identify for for some of these things to resonate we don't need to look far for suffering or for pain or for brokenness whether it's general whether it's personal for some of us even that's yeah, this is an acute reality right now for others less so, but it's not far away ever as part of our human condition. We all know something about loss. We all know something about unexpected uh, events. We all know something about unwelcome change. We all know something about feeling out of control. But let me end with this, <clears throat> but God. But God. Two, I think of my favorite uh, words encouraging, life-giving, hope-stirring words in the whole Bible again and again and again and again we find them. But God, but God. And, and church family, I want to say to you this morning, I think God wants to say, but God, but God. There is always reason to take heart. There is always encouragement to take heart, to take courage, to take strength, to find hope. The God of these ordinary people, whose lives we're going to become a bit more familiar with over these coming weeks, Naomi, Ruth, Boaz. That God, he's with us, he's with you. He's for you. He loves you. He is the king above. His everlasting arms are underneath whatever is going on. He's by your side. The very breath of his Holy Spirit lives in you if you've invited him to do so. So in all the mess, and however you're experiencing that at the moment, in unfamiliar times, friends, let's get our eyes on Jesus if they're not there already. Let's allow his loving touch to reach us, just as we'll discover Naomi and Ruth and the others did. Let's receive his grace and let's remember that he is weaving his good purposes. Whatever it feels like, he is weaving his good purposes. So let's trust ourselves to him again, fully and again today. Amen. I'm just going to pray. Then we'll head back to Andrew and Nikki briefly. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, I want to thank you so much that your ancient words brought alive by your spirit speak so powerfully. You are a God who speaks and you want to put strength in us today. And for all of us, Lord, who need fresh hope who need fortifying in 
a place of, of mess and obvious struggle, however we're experiencing that, God, thank you that this is your, your biggest desire to connect us with your heart. And so we're saying, Lord, come and do that in us today. Would you enable us to turn our gaze to you? Would you enable us not to fixate on our problem, but to fixate on our saviour? Would you enable us, Lord, to welcome you, know you, receive you, feel your touch, hear your voice and find hope in that place again? In Jesus' name, we speak hope over those in, in difficult and discouraging places. In Jesus' name, we speak hope over our world. We speak peace over our world that is in various states of disorder and mess. God, help us to be those, not just the receivers of that, but the agents of that life and that hope and that peace as we hold out in confidence the goodness of God to a world that he loves. So thank you, Father. Thank you for all that you're doing. We receive it and we live in it today. In Jesus' name.